This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Clap, 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 clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands Podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clap Your Hands podcast brought to you by Odyssey Sports, brought to you by Sports Radio 94 WIP. And today's pod is brought to you by the NBA MVP, the moment everyone was waiting for, years in the making, somehow felt anticlimactic, unfortunately, because we all knew he was going to win. But it's still brought to you by Joel Embiid. What's going on, Kyle? How you doing? Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to have a lot of MVP discussion, but I was actually very surprised by how badly he beat everybody else in that uh yeah and that final vote total i i think we all knew he was going to win but to see him pull away and get the decisive mvp that we did not think was going to happen that was uh that added to what was a very cool moment for him and you know end of a long journey for joel yeah, so obviously a lot to get into today. We will talk about game two at the end of the pod uh, a little bit. You know, of course, with every Joel discussion, it's will he play, won't he play? But we'll talk about maybe some adjustments quickly at the end. But today's pod, I really just want to get into the Joel Embiid experience. Uh, I say it often on the pod, but the commenters say it too. You know, you are, uh, you've covered Embiid the majority, if not all of his career. You've been there for, for the ups and the downs. So I'm excited to hear your opinions on it. But before we get started, I do want to remind everybody that if you're, uh, you've been listening throughout this playoff journey, first of all, we super appreciate it. Uh, that went over the Celtics pod. I know my hair looked bad. I felt like I looked almost like <laughs> drunk, drunk off of adrenaline in the, uh, in the pod, but it was our most listened to pod ever. So I very much appreciate everyone that, uh, that has been listening and to the, to the new listeners, welcome aboard. But a reminder for those that are, uh, if you're listening, you can find us on all the podcast apps, including the Odyssey app. You should definitely download the Odyssey app. Uh, You get all the episodes first. And if you hit that auto download button on any of the podcast apps, you get it pretty much the second it comes out. So very much appreciate everyone that does that and appreciate all the all the people that are taking this uh, this wild playoff journey with us. So. All right, Joel Embiid wins the MVP. Like I said in the open, um, obviously a super exciting moment. I spent all day yesterday on air on WIP explaining why to me it feels similar to winning a championship. But I actually thought last night when he won it, it was almost so expected that it, it felt a little anticlimactic, but still just an awesome moment for him. Um, he's in the room with all of his teammates, obviously very emotional 
Kyle, what'd you just think of, of the moment where he won it, his reaction? What were your takeaways from that? Well, so I would say the cool thing was seeing the video that the Sixers posted that was that was not on TV. Mm-hmm. It was not Joel had composed himself and all that. He was you know, he broke down crying in front of all of his teammates. And you can see like, look, there's been a lot made over how much Joel cares about the award and how much Jokic cares about the award relative to Joel and, and things like that. And like to see a guy who, as we've said many times, has worked to put himself at the very tip top of his profession to go from, you know, obscurity in Cameroon where this guy, his his ideal life at that point when he started playing basketball was playing professional volleyball in Europe. That was kind of the path his parents and had put him on and go to on this journey to become, you know, the single best player for this season in the NBA. It's just such a crazy story. Like think of all the things that could have derailed Joel between, you know, when he was 15, 16 and now one, he could have never picked up a basketball in the first place Two, that awkward, lanky, you know, seven foot tall kid could have just not been very good. And he could have been frustrated by the fact that, you know, these guys that have been, better for him that have played longer than him for so long would just stay better than him. That, that was one of the reasons that he said early in his career that defensive player of the year was his biggest goal individually, because he thought that was obtainable compared to, you know, something like an MVP and yeah. first team all NBA and things like that. And then he's got to deal with two seasons lost due to foot injuries has a meniscus injury and another one prematurely. And you're just wondering, like, does all this talent mean anything? Is he ever going to get there? And to see him take all these steps, playoffs in his first full season that he plays with, you know, a real team, runner-up of MVP multiple times in a row, and to come that close, and now to finally lead the league in scoring 33 points a game, all these signature moments beats all the other best players in the league during this just awesome season. I I can't imagine how cool that felt for him. And certainly like, I I think one of the other awesome things about Joel winning it for the Sixers specifically, he is like very Philadelphia in many ways where Mm -hmm. Joel loves to say, I don't care. This doesn't matter. And it's like that you go back to the, I don't, no one likes us. We don't care, which right. is the most untrue thing that has ever <laughs> been said in Philadelphia. But Joel embodies that. He says he doesn't care, but we know that he does. Right. He shows right. in, in so many ways that he does. So in in a lot of ways, he's the most Philadelphia MVP that they, we could possibly have in this city. And so I think it's a cool moment for him obviously on top of being an amazing moment for Joel Embiid. And as we are speaking right now, uh, Shamstranya just tweeted, Embiid is on track to return tonight in game there it is. the Celtics, there it is. barring there it is. a setback. So that's okay. uh, so he's going to play. He's going to play is what that means. Wow. Look at these pods, man. The, the Celtics pod. And now this, um, well, that's awesome. I mean, that's super exciting. So if you're listening to this, you are, but already probably know by now. But um, all right. I don't know. Should we pivot to him playing or, or should we keep with the MVP? Let's do the MVP stuff. Okay, like, right. We can obviously get to Right. Um, yeah, we might want to tweet out talking about Embiid's return. But uh, 
Okay, so here was my MVP, um, my MVP thing from last night. So you described his journey perfectly, right? And we talk so often on this pod about Joel's mental state. And I thought what was really cool and beautiful about when he won it last night was that the moment he cried, like to me, like I said, you knew he was going to win. There was, of course, 10% of you that was like, who knows, maybe the Jokic voters didn't want to say they voted for him until the end. And there was that worry about it. But turning it on, you had a very good idea he was going to win. But I just thought the moment he heard it, you could almost see the weight just like completely come off of his body. Like he collapsed into his hands. He It looks like he cried or at least was extremely emotional. Everybody was hugging him. And I think, you know, just he just so deserved that moment. He deserved that moment of feeling like all the work was worth it. Because even though it has already been proven so, right? He's one of the best players in the NBA. He came up second in MVP, which there's certainly no shame in that. It's frustrating, it's unfair, but there's no shame in that. He has his franchise life-altering contract. So all of Joel's work has been paid off for him. His life is set, the work, all the hardships, he's made it through. But at the end of the day, you can't buy an MVP, right? You can't, you can't, it's not within your control as hard as he wants to work, right? Obviously he works harder and those things matter, but you can't buy like acceptance and you can't buy something where your peers say to you, you're the one, like you can't buy it no matter how hard you work. So I thought last night for me was a moment of Joel getting that acceptance he's been looking for. Cause you talk about him being a kid growing up, Look, the pictures of him, even when he's just a rookie and he wears number 11, but before that too, he's lanky, he's awkward, he just moves to America. Like, I am sure there's a part of Joel's life where becoming accepted was always something that was unique for him, right? A struggle of, of, of getting into America, getting into the NBA. It's a very like alpha dog league, right? And he did it. Last night was his moment of, I made it. I accept, like, I have been accepted by the league. My work has been recognized. And so I thought that was a really, really cool moment of just seeing the weight of almost winning it, almost winning it, and then finally just winning it, even though he knew he was going to win, hearing the words of knowing he won. It was just, uh, it was really cool. And for me, yes, so yesterday I was uh, on from two to six and I was talking to people, you know, about what the MVP means to them. And there was a large, I shouldn't say large, but there was a section of the fan base that was definitely like, get out the second round and then the MVP will matter. And I got to be honest, it is my least favorite opinion in Philadelphia sports right now. I just think to try to diminish what this guy did because of past playoff success, I, it's just lame. It's the definition of lame. And when I talk about why I think this has similar emotions to a championship, I understand the championship is different. There's parades for championships. There's banners for championships. Team People grow up rooting for a team. So you're rooting for it longer. But what makes a championship special to me is it's something you really care about achieving the ultimate goal and riding through the emotion of, of that, right? Like people that have been lifelong Eagles fans, when they won in 17, it was because there was so much ups and downs and they almost had it and then they didn't and like all those things. And Joel is not a team. He's not a franchise, but he has been in the spotlight of Philadelphia sports for like 10 years. No other athlete really has been there that long. Carson came and went. Bryce has barely had a cup of coffee here. Jalen's just beginning his journey. So while it's not a championship, I do think what's special about this is the fans are just so invested in it and they've really made it happen. I think this, the feeling for them too of getting it and having that moment, 
I think there's similar qualities to that feeling of your team winning the ultimate goal, uh, which is a championship. And for Joel and Sixers fans and fans of the process, that moment is winning the MVP. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, look, I'm never going to put a championship at you see what I'm saying a little bit? close to the same level. Here's what I would say. I think caring about it is caring about the essentially the person as much as the player. Like the people who are all fired up about this, yes, they a lot of them think that Joel is just a better basketball player than Giannis or Jokic or whoever it is. But they also are celebrating and feeling secondary joy because they have been part of this journey with Joel. Like this yeah. fan base experienced the process and this dramatic rebuild just to you know get to this point where Joel could even be in position to win enough games to win the MVP. I know that was something he said on TNT and in the videos that have been posted by the team over the last 24 hours. Like, Part of the reason he's even in play for this conversation is because they won 54 games. They have their best season as a franchise in over two decades. And they have finally put this collection of talent on the floor that allows him to get real serious conversation as the number one guy in the league for a season. And so Mm -hmm. the fans feel that part of it, certainly, right? Like they've been with, they watched when Joel was drafted after they had, you know, tanked the season essentially and then immediately knew because Joel was hurt that the best incoming player they were going to get was missing the entire next season and then he missed another one on top of that like so they the people who have really been on this ride with Joel have experienced all the horrible like the Jaleel Okafor season where it's him and Nerlens Noel starting together in the front court and they win 10 games and their biggest victory is Julio Okafor in a fight versus Boston Celtics fans <laughs> during that season. And like, so this award represents a lot of other things to the people who actually, you know, come to the games, who watch the games every night, who stay up when they're on the West Coast watching games at 12 31 o'clock, even though they got to work the next day. Like, yeah. that's the type of stuff where I do understand your point about the value of MVP. Now, if we're talking about for Joel and for the team and all that, like I'm not going to go that far. I think even as he has sort of semi campaign for this award, he has always ended his sentences and ended his arguments with, but if I win 
everything else falls into place. If we win, you know, that's what really counts. That's what the number one goal of this team is. And PJ Tucker actually on Instagram today posted something that the first day he signed with Philadelphia and he talked to Joel, said there are two things he's coming there to help Joel achieve. Joel win an MVP and for Joel and the Sixers to win a championship. And he said one down. And look, that's the that's been the mentality for this team this entire year. So while this is a a fun, a nice thing that we can we can all give Joel a round of applause and say this is great. Now the real work begins. Yeah. So so two two things uh before we move on to to Joel's return. The, the MVP is back. Um First, I was going to say, you mentioned the fans, and I think kind of how you put it about the journey is perfect. But I also think, if we're being honest, the fans hold hold a little part of this in the way that there are so many people that fight the fight on Twitter every day. With oh, the, yeah. <laughs> with the NBA writers, right? Like, Including know, with me, by the way. Exactly. <laughs> it's not always right. like, good for me either. You see them in your mentions. I am sure a lot there. You can see a lot of NBA writers are working through their emotions right now of dealing with the fact that their boy Jokic didn't win it. But I, when it's a award that is so obviously picked by like influence and bias and all those things, I do think that the Twitter people deserve to have a, like a small part of this and that they, they, always they never gave up like they kept tweeting at these people saying no here's why he deserves it here's why he deserves it so i do think that's a cool part of of this award and just feeling the the years of people fighting online to prove their point being right uh also i guess my mic is spiking i'm trying really hard not to make it do it so i apologize for the uh for the <laughs> listeners if, if this is happening Ellie, it's gonna blow out everyone's eardrums i, don't, I truly don't get like i've talked to i've talked to the tech people about it but I apologize. Uh, I apologize for that. But the last and B question I had for you, you do have a unique view of this because you're in the locker room with Joel. You've covered him for how many years now has it been? Well, so I've been full time on the beat for since Ben's rookie year. So since 2017, so six years, I okay. was still writing about him and the team right. prior to that. So I've, I have watched and or written about basically every game that he has ever played. So what's Joel like? Cause in my brief experiences around him in the brief times I've interviewed him, you know, being at games, he seems just so quiet, you know? And so just like some combination of locked in, but also shy is not the word. Cause I think no one would describe Joel as shy from a public persona, but whenever I see him, he's not really talking. His answers are short. What's the Joel you know like? Like, what was it like watching him kind of behind the scenes on this journey through the tragedies, the positives? Just what's been your experience of him up in up close and personal? He's a really interesting guy in that, you know, especially early in his career, he has toned down in press conferences a little bit. Mm-hmm. There, the there's the public Joel Embiid which is this loud, brash, shit-talking, like getting guys' faces, competitor. And then once you're around him, when it's, you know, the lights are not on and he's in the locker room and what have you, he is just kind of a quiet, keeps-to-himself type guy. Like a big reason that people made a lot about the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid dynamic is that they're kind of opposite people. They kept to themselves, but Ben was like a going out and living the lifestyle. Whereas Joel 
kind of stays at home and plays FIFA. And now that he has a, uh, a family, he's home with his partner and their son. And that's just kind of what he does. This is, he's not yeah. a, like the personality and the off court lifestyle do not match, I guess, what you would expect when you just look at his Twitter or Instagram or what he does in between the lines during the games. And so he's just a really fascinating guy. Like you can sit and talk to him by his locker for quite a while. He just loves talking about basketball in general. He'll say a lot of things that, you know, he probably would like to say publicly, but he is always sort of conscious of, you know, I'm a superstar type player. So everything I says gets filtered through this insane machine on, you know, the radio, on TV, on podcasts, wherever. And, and so it's I've always sort of known, you know, how he really feels about things on top of what he says he feels yeah. about things. And that's what I was kind of getting at with the he's the perfect Philadelphian thing. Like Joel just can't help himself from, you know, expressing how he really feels in certain ways. And mm-hmm. he always skirts up against it at the podium. He'll try to be like, well, I don't really care about this or this wasn't a big deal. And then he'll give like three consecutive answers where he swerves and makes a detour into what he actually wants to talk about. And, you know, some of that I think is he is a really competitive guy. And that's, that's kind of the deal with all these guys who reach this point. It's they think about all these small petty things that drive them. I don't say petty in a bad way, like to be that good, you have to find these like microaggressions from other people, other players, to just invent ways to get motivated every night. And that has kind of been the most fascinating part of his evolution is watching Joel get to the point where he is that guy just making up stupid reasons to go out and score 50 on a night where otherwise the the game doesn't really matter. Because early in his career, you could tell that he knew I'm probably more talented than you know, every guy in this game, even if I don't have the accolades, the resume and all that. And Mm -hmm. so over time, as he's matured, as he's become a father and he's talked a lot about, you know, fatherhood has changed him for the better. It's made him focus more. It's made him think about, you know, what is the legacy I'm leaving behind for my son and my family? And it's going to make my name, my family name mean something more if I'm able to achieve, you know, X, Y, Z individually and as a team player, that has all shown up in the work, on the floor, in what he says at his locker, in front of a podium or from behind a podium and so on and so forth. And so I just think this has been, you know, the culmination of a lot of real life events. Like we talk a lot about the basketball, but I haven't even brought up, like he lost his younger brother to this tragic accident while he's here in America. And at that point he said publicly, he thought about quitting and just going back home and mourning. And there are stories about him where before the first day he showed up at Luke Maba Mute's camp in Africa, where that was kind of his ticket to America and a ticket to a basketball career. He no showed the first day of the camp because he was so anxious that he couldn't show his face and, Mm -hmm. and play against these guys who've been playing basketball for so long. And so he's dealt with these like mental hurdles and all these emotional life setbacks that who knows if he was going to be able to come back from them. Not only has he been able to do that, but he's used those as, you know, 
fuel to get to where he is today. And so I think he's somebody that the city can be proud of him. His family, his loved ones can certainly be proud of him. And it's been, uh, it's been really cool to be a minuscule part of that as somebody who covers him day to day. Yeah, no, you're right. And I mean, I think it makes the the moment of last night more beautiful. Uh, do you have a favorite Embiid story, just out of curiosity? Like a favorite moment you think of, whether that be on the court or, or anything like that? No, I mean, look, it all sort of blends together at a certain point where it's the years of sending insane tweets when he can't even play and trying to... Uh, do you remember when he made the All-Star team and there was a moment where he got asked on national TV whether uh, Rihanna would give him a chance now. Oh, yes. was a, <laughs> and he essentially was like, yeah, I don't know. It's like me when I'm down and I'm yeah. not sure I could give you the time of day when, uh, so, I do miss that I Joel mean, a little bit. Um, I, you know, a video went viral yesterday of where, and this was just so pure Joel where, First of all, the clip of where he used to go out for sips on Wednesdays in Center City. Remember that video of him like ducking someone as he walked by sips? That was funny. But the clip that went viral yesterday was he's playing basketball with a bunch of kids. They couldn't have been older than, I don't know, nine, 10, maybe. You know, they could have been 14, who knows, because he's so much bigger than him anyway. But he, it's just at some park and he throws the ball off the kid's forehead and then goes down the lane and does a windmill dunk. So. It is cool to think of those times before Joel became, you know, a mega superstar and like couldn't leave his house. And I think at those moments, you can really see just how much he does love basketball and how much he's really committed his, his life to this. So super happy he won MVP. Awesome moment. But another awesome moment is coming tonight. The MVP is playing in game two. I'll be honest, when Drew Hanlon put out those pictures last night of him playing, like practicing on the court, I thought that was a really good indication Maybe he didn't play in game two, but he was feeling much better than maybe we thought. Because in my head, in my deep, darkest fear place, it was, man, maybe he can't even run. Maybe I'm I'm overestimating what he's able to do. And then you see those pictures last night, and he's playing basketball, right? They're just still images, but he looked like he was physically doing the things you picture him doing. Did have a knee brace on, and I would expect tonight he will be playing with a knee brace, but... Coming back for game two, man, what's your, uh, what's your, I guess, instant analysis since this just happened about 10 minutes ago? Well, so this circles back to what I said on the previous podcast. There's no playing with your food or we'll, we won't use the phrase that Doc Rivers uh, said in the first <laughs> well, round. On Twitter have used it. So you've, uh, you've created a meme or whatever. There's there's no taking things for granted. There's no, hey, let's let's bring Joel back only after we lose or, you know, let's right. just, let's give them as much rest as possible. And look, I'm sure if they're bringing him back that they feel good and Joel feels good about where his knee is at and they're not, you know, I'm sure there's always a risk of further injury, re-injury, whatever it is, but they obviously all feel comfortable about where he's at. And they said, big fella, if you're good to go, it's time to get you out there on the floor. And that to me, was always the correct decision. You don't sit around and say, well, we stole game one. Let's just take that for granted that we could potentially go up 2-0 in this series after two road games and that we could bring the single best player in this series back to help us do it. Like that to me, this all is, this is exactly what I was getting at on yeah. Monday night when we recorded that pod. You absolutely, like just look around the playoffs right now. Miami looks like they're flying high 
game one against New York. They get the win. They played honestly pretty well last night, but Jimmy Butler gets hurt and Jimmy Butler's not available for game two. Now momentum starts to shift. It's like, all right, the Knicks can feel like they're settled into this series a little bit. Lakers go out and steal game one. Like it's just every game is precious. You don't know yeah. what the challenge is going to be that night. You certainly can't rely on James Harden scoring 45 points a game throughout this series. Mm. And so bringing the MVP back right at freshly off of that, that big announcement with this wind in his sails and allegedly feeling much, much better physically. That's, that's about as good as you can ask for if you're the Sixers. Yeah. So, so for tonight, obviously it's a big emotional boost. If I'm Boston, I'm sitting there and being like, damn, I really wasn't, I was hoping this wasn't going to happen until game three because tonight was a game that you would, you would hope. Now we know this, that the Sixers are not going to roll over. And even if Harden doesn't get 45, they're very good at finding other ways to win. But ultimately, I think if you're Boston, you were hoping tonight was going to be a game with no Joel, you're able to adjust off game one and you walk out of the uh, arena with the win. But obviously what I'll be looking for tonight is while as exciting as it is that uh, as exciting as it is that um, they that he's back, how is he going to play? Like if he comes back and he looks terrible, that's going to be a pretty deflating, deflating uh, feeling if they lose the game. Right. So there is that pressure of how does he look? If they pull this card of bringing him back and he looks bad and they lose, then the, the attitude and the mood of the city is very, very different heading into game three. So how will he look? Uh, you know, obviously, knock on wood, fingers crossed, prayers up that he's, he makes it out of the game healthy. It would obviously be very deflating if he comes out and he immediately re aggravates this thing. But how he looks tonight is almost, to me, as important as the win in some ways. Because if they lose a really close game two tonight and he looks awesome, Look, it sucks. Every game's precious, like you said. But at least then you say, you know what? They have home court. They won game one, and Joel is Joel. So how he looks tonight is obviously a, a huge thing to, to, to watch for. Yeah, and the pressure is on him to just look competent, I think. I don't think anyone is expecting him after a nearly two-week layoff to come in and be like, by far the best player in the series. We've heard right. many times over. He hasn't done a lot of running, so I don't think there's going to be a high expectation for his conditioning to start this series or start the series for him anyway. And that's honestly going to be one of the biggest things to track tonight is how many minutes can Joel actually give them? I, he's certainly not walking in and immediately playing you know, 40 minutes. Right. And so that's going to change their normal rotation structure compared to a night where Joel's playing – 36, 38, however many minutes he needs to get to in order to get the game over the line. So at, at the very least, you feel better about that part of it just because Paul Reed, I think at this point, has shown he can eat a lot of minutes for this team, played 37 minutes the other night in Joel's absence. But that's going to be the big test to me. Like I, I think if they have him out there, yeah, his mobility will be a little more limited with a brace and the knee injury. But I, I think if they have him out there, they they feel okay about how he's going to be able to get up and down. It's the ability to sustain it that really yeah. matters. When they're throwing the ball to him in crunch time and he's played you know, 28 minutes or whatever at that point, and they absolutely need a bucket, is he able to summon that little bit of extra to get it over the line and sort of carry them? And if he's not, will the Sixers recognize that and try to lean more on James Harden, on Tyrese Maxey, on these other guys. And 
know, that's kind of the interesting thing about bringing them back in this spot rather than bring them back at home and, you know, full ramp up period of the next yeah. few days. So I guess we're going to see exactly how much Joel has in the tank tonight. I just, you know, I said it after game one, when you looked at Joel, how excited he was on the bench, the feeling of, oh my God, they won without me. I have a real chance to get out the second round. If you combine that with the series, with the MVP, with playing in Boston, this is all-time emotional Joel tonight. All-time emotional. We'll see how he handles it. Will he let the moment kind of let his mood snowball on him and get frustrated? Or is he going to come out tonight and be this massive boost to the team? Because if they win, if they win this game tonight, they like the series is over. At that point, the question is, are they sweeping as opposed to if they're going to lose? Like they're, If they go up 2-0, I mean, if you go up 1-0, your percentage of winning the series is like 77%. I'd imagine at 2-0, that thing, you know, gets into the high 80s. So don't want to jinx anything, but if you win tonight. Well, I was going to say, I'm just going to be a dissenter here for the sake of the fan base and talking about jinxes. Like, yeah, in this matchup against the boogie team, never take the four games you need fair. to win for granted. Fair, fair. But if they win tonight, man, they are in an excellent spot, especially when you watch those trash Knicks and Heat play. I mean, they're they're walking to the finals if they can get out of the series. So Will be an exciting night. Uh, I think we'll have a post-game pod. I know we discussed uh, potentially doing it if Joel returns. So we will likely be back right after the game tonight, if not first thing tomorrow morning. Um, and as I said at the top, thank you to everybody that's been listening. And download the Odyssey app. app hit that auto-download button. And Joel is back tonight, the MVP, the lineup, game two. Excited to talk about it with you after the game, man. So I will talk to you. Uh, I'll talk to you tonight. And guys, the more people who listen, the closer we are to getting Elliot a mic that doesn't exactly ears from time exactly. to time. I, I might just drive to Best Buy right now and just accept <laughs> my fate. I've tried everything. So thank you, everybody. Uh, you have willed me into getting a better mic. And uh, we'll talk to you after Wednesday.